0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Moonfall.
1: If you're watching this thing, you know by now a huge problem is heading our way. An emergency meeting is being called at our usual place immediately. Three bagels.
3: I've made a shocking discovery. I need you to get me in touch with NASA
0: immediately. Well, NASA and I aren't really on speaking terms these days. Well, that'll change. When you tell them that the moon is out of orbit...
2: No need to panic. I'm not crazy! Why are they lying about all this? It's too late to stop. You knew all this was happening before NASA. You are the unidentified source? Oh, yes. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. I'm asking you for your help.
0: Say yes, Brian. I need you to be brave.
1: If the moon really is what you think it is,
0: suit up. I see a moon rising. You
4: have got a big gravity wave coming your way. You have to launch now! Did he say gravity wave? I see trouble on the
2: way. We're underwater, guys! Uh, that's crazy. Slow down! Whoa! What's the plan? Save the moon, save Earth. Ray, what are you doing? It's flying itself! Wait for it.
3: Let's go, you son of a... Yes!
0: Hang on! Hang on! Everybody, hang on! I'm
2: gonna get you home!
3: On airplane mode.
0: All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Moonfall, and the story is as follows. The world stands on the brink of annihilation when a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit and sends it hurtling toward a collision course with Earth. With only weeks before impact, NASA executive Jocinda Joe Fowler teams up with a man from her past and a conspiracy theorist for an impossible mission into space to save humanity. The film is starring Halle Berry. Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Michael Pena, Charlie Plummer, Kelly Yu, and Donald Sutherland. It is written and directed by Roland Emmerich, co-written by Harold Clauser and Spencer Cohen. Here to join me today to discuss this disaster film, I have Nicole Ackman.
3: To discuss this disaster of a film, you mean?
0: Oh, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Dan Baer.
1: John Bradley living my best life, that little
0: bitch. (laughs) And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. All right, so, Roland Emmerich. I guess we could start off talking about our experiences with him and his filmography. <laughs> I, like many of you, as a kid, growing up, loved Independence Day. Like, yeah, still to this day, I think it's one of the best blockbusters maybe ever made. Uh, I... Also really liked the Godzilla movie when I was a kid, but that's because I didn't know any better at the time. Uh, Looking back on it, it's not that good. And I also have a soft spot in my heart for The Patriot. uh, And there have been other movies like since then that he has also gone on to do um, that. it, It varies for me, you know, it's like for every time I think I like one of his films like 2012, then there's an Independence Day resurgence, which is Uh, Day After Tomorrow actually was way ahead of its time, I think, and actually it's not too terrible. Uh, He's got Anonymous, Stonewall, Midway, which, you know, these are movies that not many people have seen, but what he's most known for are these disaster films, these movies where you go, you shut off your brain, and you watch stuff just blow up for two hours. It doesn't really ask much of you as an audience member, And I was perfectly in the right mood for this this week when I saw the film. I was coming off of Sundance. I was so engaged with a lot of the content that I was watching. And so heading into Moonfall, I was all like, you know what? Yeah. Give me dumb characters. Give me a dumb storyline. Give me just dumb, 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 dumb. I am ready for it. And I walked out of Moonfall and I realized I was not ready for it at all. <laughs> I was gobsmacked by this movie. Holy shit. It, it went in directions that I was not expecting. Took one of the hardest turns in a, in a, in a third act that I've seen in quite some time. And... I don't think that it fully delivered on its promise. I mean, yes, the moon does fall. I mean, and if that's the bare minimum expectation of what you're going in for, fine. But I needed a little bit more. So. I guess we'll start off with Josh Parham, because I know that he's probably the biggest defender of all of us here when it comes to the genre, when it comes to Roland Emmerich. So, Josh, why don't you start us off on the highest point that you can here in defense of Moonfall?
4: Yeah, so I am definitely somebody who has affection for these types of movies and the genre. I think Roland Emmerich... You know, I'm not going to say that he's, like, one of our greatest directors, but within this genre, I think that he knows what he's doing for the most part, and I really do like the spectacle that he normally brings. And, yeah, this is a really dumb, stupid movie, but (laughs) for me, it works. I think that the spectacle that it does provide, I found to be really engaging, I liked – pretty much all of these set pieces and yeah are the characters interesting no they're all archetypes you've seen before and the writing's pretty stale and yeah it does get into some very silly things in the third act which i can imagine will lose some people but honestly to me by that point i was like i I was sort of already bought into the premise of the thing and i was just going along with the ride so yes it's very ridiculous it's it does kind of drag in some bits too. It's like an over two hour movie and it is bloated in some spots. But overall, I had a blast with it because when those set pieces do come up, all the rest of the issues of the movie kind of just fade away a little bit for me. And I think the spectacle really delivered for me personally. So I know I am biased within the genre, but for me, Moonfall was still a pretty good time. It's not perfect, but I had fun with it overall.
0: God bless you. Seriously, (laughs) I don't know how you do it. I I, like I I, I tried, Josh, I tried to give this movie the benefit of the doubt. I was I I gave myself over to this and I was along for the ride as well. I truthfully was for like the first hour. (laughs) Moving on, Nicole, (laughs) Nicole, what do you have to add to this?
3: Yeah, so I actually don't have much of a background with Emmerich, which will shock literally no one.
0: Yeah,
3: I know that I definitely saw Independence Day as a kid. I think I've like, blocked every memory I might have of that movie. <laughs> Though I will say, I watched The Patriot, I think, like, maybe the year after it came out. So I would have been, like, seven. Oh, my. Um, oh, wow. That's a
0: violent film to watch at seven.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I was an only child at the time, and so my parents kind of let me do whatever. Violent films were okay. And it was the first time I ever laid eyes on, you know, both Logan Lerman and Jason Isaacs. So we could say it was formative for me. Uh, (laughs) I actually, it's kind of weird though. I've been thinking about that film a lot lately. I really want to rewatch it as much as I, you know, don't like its uh, lead. But I wasn't really sure what I was getting in for with Moonfall. I like some disaster films, but I'm a little bit picky with them. Like, give me something like the original Poseidon Adventure. um, And I eat that kind of thing up um but i i got to take my sister along to the screening we were like all right let's let's just go have a good like dumb fun time and you know I, I enjoyed watching it. I, I had a pleasant experience in the cinema. <laughs> uh, afterwards, I looked up how much money was spent making this film, and I was like, "You could have spent that doing literally anything else." <laughs> <laughs> you your money, like you could have just burned each dollar and watched it, and it would have been more fun.
0: And it's independently produced too. On top it's of that,
3: baffling to me. Supposedly, yeah. most. Uh, expensive independent film ever made, which I don't understand. Um, my sister and I have been talking about it though ever since we saw it. I will admit, like, uh, but partially because we got out of that film and realized we did not know a single character's name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, is it good? No. If someone told me they were going to see it like in the theater, would I be like, "Don't waste your time"? Honestly, no, because this is one of those films that is only ever going to be worth seeing. In the cinema, like, because it does have a lot of, like, big flashy moments. Will I ever watch this? Like, if if I ever say that I'm watching this movie again, though, please know, like, it's a hostage situation. I'm trying to, to let you know I'm not okay. <laughs> All
0: right. And Dan Bear, Dan Bear, did you fall in love with the moon or did the moon fall for you? Um. Wow,
1: that's wow. a loaded question. Happy
3: Valentine's Day. <laughs> Um
1: look, I if you go to a disaster movie, specifically a Roland Emmerich disaster movie expecting a plot or characters um, I, I, I question if you understand what a Roland Emmerich disaster movie is. Uh, you don't go to a Roland Emmerich disaster movie for plot or characters. You go to see the destruction. And you certainly don't go to see a movie called Moonfall for the characters, or plot, or even most of the filmmaking, you go to see the damn moon fucking fall on Earth. That's what you go for, and on that level, this movie absolutely delivers, as Roland Emmerich movies usually do when it comes to the spectacle. Do I wish that it was, it had, um, how do I put this, better handle on the fundamentals of filmmaking? Yes. Do I wish that they had given slightly more depth to the characters? Yes. But all of that is just to say that, like, I don't think this is in the top tier of Roland Emmerich movies. But at the same time, I'm with both Josh and Nicole that I had a lot of fun watching this. I The thing that I think gets me on Roland Emmerich's side a lot with his movies is that they have the right tone that I want from these kind of movies. They're not completely 100% serious or even like 90 or 80% serious. They split the difference really in my mind pretty much evenly with accepting the ridiculousness of their present of their premises and then kind of reveling in the big dumb giddy spectacle of it all and again on that level this movie delivers i was i was very satisfied
0: well i'm happy for you i'm happy for (laughs) i'm happy for all of you you know to some degree or another I got to work my feelings out with this film because, you know, I think it really does come down to a matter of like, like you're saying here, Dan, you know, what do you want as an audience member heading into this and kind of having the expectation and knowing what this is and what to expect is going to be paramount in, you know, your overall experience with it. So I sat around some people uh, who I watched this with that were laughing at, the lines of dialogue in this, which to me felt like they were written by a fifth grader.
3: That's insulting to fifth graders everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but I was rolling my eyes. I was throwing my hands up in the air. I giggled at times at some of these lines. I, like, I was having an okay time with the it's so bad, it's good aspects of it. Because it was delivering what I wanted. Um, I did think it took a little too long, possibly, in the first uh, act to get the story going. There's so much time that is spent on trying to establish these characters and give them some sort of an emotional crux that like, we are able to latch on to them and then care about them as the rest of the story unfolds. I think the only character that they successfully, to a certain extent, do this with is John Bradley's character, Casey Hausman. And everything else, as Josh was mentioning, like the characters are so surface level stereotype, even Uh, there's like one character in particular. She's um, an exchange student uh, played by Kelly Yu. I I didn't know like what her purpose for being in this movie even was.
3: I know what the purpose is. Oh. They got mm. like $40 million from a Chinese production company. Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that Emmerich
3: yeah. has like, done in every
4: movie. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. <laughs> like Donald Sutherland uh, pops in at one point <laughs> as a former NASA official. Who, he
1: pops in as Professor X. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> he has one scene. He provides exposition. Turns this into, like, a whole grand conspiracy. It's like he's, like, rehashing his character from JFK, and then he dips out, gets his paycheck.
3: I love that for him. It's great. In a
0: wheelchair, too, the whole time.
3: He said, said, I will not even stand up for
0: this movie. Uh, Charlie Plummer continues to prove to me that uh, he has zero charisma as an actor. Completely agree. Lean on Pete was a fluke. I'm sorry, Josh. But he did absolutely nothing for me in this film. And Michael Pena, who is like arguably the most entertaining actor in any movie that you typically put him in. Completely underutilized, wasted, and then is given uh, a final scene in this movie, which I was like, where was the buildup to make me care? Because
3: Okay, (laughs) I have big questions too, because I read that originally Stanley Tucci was cast in that role.
0: What? Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Which, like, and then I would have felt like even more like, why are you doing nothing with a character, but you've got Stanley Tucci to come here? Like, so I just have real big questions about what on earth they were doing with that character. But I also definitely thought that what they did in the end with him, like, I thought it was a fake out.
0: Oh, I thought so too. Like the
3: entire rest of the movie, I was, I was waiting mm-hmm. for it to like undo it. And then I was like, oh, Okay. But by the end, I was literally shaking. I was trying so hard not to be laughing out loud um, to, you know, be respectful of the other people around me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> there was one moment
0: between uh, Patrick Wilson and John Bradley at the end that I actually did feel was a bit earned, as cheesy as it was. I, I actually did like that decision. But then, the- <sighs> but then the very, very end of the movie where you realize that this is a potential. Brand new franchise.
1: It, no, it is. Dan. I don't think that
0: was the point of that. Dan.
3: Oh, it felt like it to me.
0: Dan. I really don't. Stop kidding yourself. I genuinely even my sister, don't.
3: Even my sister was like, are they trying to set up a sequel? Because why? And I was like, it definitely felt like they were trying to leave it open to that.
1: Mm-hmm. I do, but it, I don't think it was sequel baiting.
4: Uh, I think they were definitely trying to leave the door open for another movie. Um, it, it did sort of feel very tacked on to me at that point. And I know we're not saying specifically what it is, but they do sort of maybe undercut a sacrifice that might happen (laughs) in that last part. And, but to be honest with you, it also sort of felt like, well, kind of part of the course for these movies, you know? uh, And even though so many of these like archetypes are so standard, it just felt like, Okay, yep, there's there's your nerdy scientist who's eccentric that nobody listens to who's going to be on the mission now. There's the the new husband who's a little bit antagonistic, but he's going to do something that'll kind of win you back over. Like, yes, these are very typical archetypes. And I, I think I agree with you, Matt, that the only one who really does anything with it is John Bradley. I think that he, he doesn't bring much to this character, but he... I guess I will say that he wasn't as annoying as I thought he would no.
0: be. <laughs> well, <kidding>. yeah. That's <laughs> the one saving grace of the human characters in this movie is that no individual character, um, I, I didn't find anyone to be grating from a from a writing standpoint. Everybody uh, like like I was frustrated maybe that people were underutilized or weren't delivering great performances, maybe, but nobody was written to like nag me.
3: Oh, I found Casey so annoying.
0: Oh, really? See, like, I think John Bradley mm-hmm. as a performer is just so charming yeah. that that's what kind of won me over with him. You I'm
3: know, I fine with him once he was with Patrick Wilson um, because I thought that they had, like, a nice back and forth. But the whole beginning sections with him where it was kind of like we're just watching him do stuff, uh, I was like, I need to go. This film could have been at least 10 minutes shorter if we took all of this out.
4: And you know what, Nicole, I do see that to a certain degree that, yes, he does indulge in a lot of those, like, annoying tendencies. And I guess maybe for me, having much more familiarity with this genre and these <laughs> types of characters, I have seen it done so, so much worse. So like, I much think about Brian Tyree Henry same. in, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, oh, oh, which is, yeah. like, like, an unwatchable performance to me. So, like, it is playing in many of those same arenas what John Bradley is doing, but I felt like he – did not take it over into the territory of like really grating and really annoying. He does he does have some of those moments for sure, but I found that his performance overall yeah. actually had a lot more like Tenderness to it and was much more engaging to me than what I would normally get from these types of characters in these films.
0: Well, when you give your character uh, a, a, a mom who is going through dementia, like, you know, of course yes. they're going to find a way to, or like, win you over to the character's side uh, through some sort of level of an emotional mani- manipulation like that, and... Uh, you know, as we mentioned before, if you if you've ever seen John Bradley on Game of Thrones, he's essentially delivering, you know, the same exact performance, only he's talking about conspiracy theories and science that has to do with the moon falling to Earth that, you know, I swear to God, I don't understand the science behind it. <laughs> I'm not a scientist myself, but I know that everything that they're saying in this movie is complete bullshit.
4: Oh, of course it, it is!
0: Like, it did not sound intelligent at all. It, like, really did not.
1: Of course all the science is bullshit.
0: No, 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 like, I, and I, listen, I, I wanted to just say in regards to that, though, like, I'm not saying that I need this movie to make logical sense. What I need you to do is I need you to get me more invested in the characters to mask how idiotic and dumb the logic of this movie is. I mean, the fact that they end up going up to space in a rocket that is not in any way, shape or form <laughs> helped by anybody on the ground at NASA. It's just a three them on some sort of rogue mission. No fucking way. Absolutely not. Never would be able to happen. Of course it wouldn't but like it's a fucking movie. <laughs> no, I I get it. I like like I said and I I am willing to suspend my disbelief but you got to get me invested in order to do that. You can't just say suspend your disbelief like I need something in return. <laughs> well, you see, Matt, I actually didn't have
4: an issue with them getting up to the moon uh with no No, crew. no. Like me I- neither.
0: I, I, it was listen, this movie had so much goodwill from me because I was so willing to just give myself over to it. But when the third act happened, that's when I started retroactively going back and saying, nope, everything now is bullshit. Everything that this movie did doesn't make sense. And I just, I I lost all goodwill at that point because they just, they stretched it too far for me. Like, dude, when your big reveal of your movie is that asinine, I didn't even fully understand the exposition dump that they were putting on to me. That was probably the biggest exposition dump in any movie I have seen in quite some time.
1: Matt, just accept the fact that it is a direct sequel to Interstellar, and all will be fine.
0: No! <laughs> I've got some issues with Interstellar, but Interstellar is leagues <laughs> ahead of this.
1: Okay, Well, I, I mean, yeah.
0: agreed,
1: obviously, but like, it literally... It is a direct sequel to
3: Interstellar.
0: I mean, did anybody here heading into this movie really expect the third act to reveal to be ultimately what it was?
3: No. And I I agree with you that, like, I think that they do a particularly poor job with their, like, fake science. Um, Because there's a way that, like, you can do. I mean, there's so many movies that have, like, fake science stuff in them. And within the world of the movie, I can like kind of buy into it, uh, but I needed them to show me that they either had some understanding of how some science works, or at least understood how NASA functions. And they clearly don't know either one. Uh, I could have lived with one or the other. They got neither, and I just I don't know. I found like by by the point that that expedition dump comes, I was like, all right, whatever, I'm out, like <laughs> because it just It it felt... um,
0: Like you were numb by that point?
3: Yeah, and I also was like, at this point, if that's the explanation, why explain it? Like, just don't (laughs) explain it. (laughs) 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 Like, yeah. I mean,
4: yes, the the ending definitely gets very silly. Very quickly, too. I definitely (laughs) agree with that. And I'll admit, like, when I was first watching it, I was like, ooh, man, this does seem like there's a lot of information being dumped on us right now that's kind of even more fantastical. But they're also, like, explaining this inside the moon base. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at at a certain point, I was sort of like, yeah, this is very silly, but the premise of this movie is silly. And Mm -hmm. I think that is definitely a point where you are either just going to keep going with it, or if you were just sort of not really on board to begin with, it's a a bridge too far. And you know what, for me, I was sort of willing to be like, you know what, yeah, that's ridiculous, doesn't make any sense, but there's a big chase scene that is winning me back right now, and I'm super into it. And I think your just mileage will vary once you get to that point in the movie.
2: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join US Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential.
0: Considering how many different conspiracy theories there are in this movie, considering that Casey himself is one of those nuts on the Internet who, you know, is probably into, you know, American right wing politics, propaganda and what have you. And like he has meetings with like red hat MAGA wearing, you know, folks that are just shouting the most insane ass nine stuff. I was actually very surprised at how much this movie did not offend me. Um, I was kind of thinking that it was going to take a turn into that area at a certain point, um, especially when you're dealing with you know the moon landing conspiracies and everything else. And uh, thankfully, it never went far politically for me. Uh, instead, they tried to, they tried to keep it focused on the destruction, which remember, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. We came to see ship blow up, right? And they also then try, they try, to provide these emotional subplot storylines between Patrick Wilson and his son, and his son trying to get to the underground base that's a whole uh, it starts getting a little messy but the core foundation is that the three main characters that we're hanging out with here joe Halle berry brian harper played by patrick wilson and casey played by john bradley they each have their own emotional ties to other characters back down on earth and on a surface level execution standpoint I can't say they didn't at least try to make the effort. Like, like they did try to make the effort. It's just so, in my opinion, just not fleshed out well enough to the point that I, like, I, I didn't care. Like, yeah, it's there. I see that they tried. But they, I, to me, it wasn't done well enough to get me emotionally invested in the story.
1: And, and this is where I will say that, like, I don't think it's top tier Roland Emmerich is mm-hmm. mostly because of that. Like, in other of... Of his movies, I did, like, really feel more of an emotional pull, emotional connection to the main characters. And in here, that stuff really does seem kind of just the baseline and nothing else. Mm -mm. It, It didn't seem like there was a lot of effort put into those stories or it's even like making the connection with the audience like to the point where I was almost considering if that was intentional but the movie doesn't really offer enough support for that either
4: no that's just
1: I think Roland Emmerich's
4: (laughs) version of writing (laughs) And, and you know what I think in that core group of, you know, you got Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, and John Bradley, I think that they're, like, fine. They're doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. There's nothing exceptional, but I actually
0: think that's fine. There were times where I thought Halle Berry was trying to go over and beyond what the, like, what the movie was asking of her. I was like, girl, you don't yeah. need to be... <laughs> yeah, you
1: do not need to work this hard.
0: No, 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 like, we don't need tears right now. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
4: yeah, but I think they're, like, fine. They're not great, but I think they get the job done. It's everything... Around them, like, I agree with you, Matt, that I think Charlie Plummer's not particularly good in this movie. I mean, that character's also nothing, but it it feels like this character shouldn't really even exist anyway. And, yeah, I love Michael Peña in general, but this is a nothing character that they do You know, there's no real development with him that isn't completely expected. He's very wasted in this film. And all of those, like, subplots and tangents that take away from the other spectacle that's happening, I agree that that really does bring the movie down. And that's the part of the film that does lose me quite a bit when we cut away from the spectacle to get to these other drama moments with these characters that I have zero interest in.
1: Well, even sometimes when we do cut to the spectacle, like there is some really bad cross cutting in this
0: when we have yeah. the, um, Oh, the pacing is atrocious.
1: Well, no, not that the, just in terms of like, there are things that happen in this movie that I was not sure if it was happening at the military base Or on the road uh, from L.A. to the military base with the different set of characters because it was just so poorly edited. There was not a real sense of visual continuity.
0: Well, I think also a lot of uh, reason for that, too, might be because, granted, this movie has a pretty hefty price tag, but – a lot of the action that takes place with Charlie Plummer and the other characters dead on Earth is shrouded in snow, it's at night mm-hmm. and they do this obviously to save money so that this way they don't have to do these large, expansive like CGI environments in the background um, but I do think it hurts us from a geographical standpoint of understanding, like you're saying, Dan, just where where are we at any given like moment? Um, I, I also just found like all of those sequences to be visually like pretty ugly to look at i was very surprised by how underwhelmed i was by the visual effects in this movie on earth even the flooding sequence um when they have all of the water co- uh, rising and coming in and destroying the city i was kind of taken aback by how much i was like underwhelmed by uh just these set pieces you know i, I love seeing real water there was a scene where uh, <laughs> real water comes in and, uh, you know, John Bradley's like, I can't swim. And I'm like, of course you fucking can't. Like, you know, w- why are you allowing yourself to get hit by this huge wave of water, you know, sir? But, you know, I, I like seeing the practical effects as opposed to the CGI. I didn't-, I didn't think the CGI on the earth was that well done.
3: There was a CGI shot of water that at first I couldn't tell was meant to be water. Like, some of this is so bad. Also, the shot of, like, the destruction of, like, New York was, like, I literally laughed out loud, which I don't think is what I was meant to be feeling in that moment. Um, Some of the CGI in this movie was so horrendously bad. Uh, and then to the point that it almost felt jarring then when there were practical effects, because I was like, oh, right, that's yeah. what water looks like. <laughs>
0: but then the, but the moon stuff, the moon CGI stuff, I actually thought was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, clear, I, I like it's, it's
3: very clear where they put their budget.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was actually appropriate. I mean, this is an independent mm. film after all. You still have to make those kind of decisions. And I think if you're going to put your money into the effects for one or the other, yes, pick the moon stuff. Pick that, like, alien creature that I think is, like, a really interesting design to it as well. I really liked everything that involved, like, that creature that would be interacting with the elements, and I I thought that was actually a really, really aesthetically
0: pleasing design that they went for. So, here's another thing that kind of bothers me a little bit. I really do wish that this movie didn't deal with alien, AI, whatever the fuck, whatever, whatever (laughs) that thing is. And then all this talk about the megastructure, you know, the Game of Thrones spinny looking thing, whatever. I really wish that this movie was more rooted in some stretched logic of science. And it could have been uh, maybe what Don't Look Up was trying to be in terms of, you know, this environmental uh, disaster warning film, uh, and but he already made that movie. I understand that, but you know, it's it's obviously a pressing and urgent matter. Keep fucking making the, the movie, you know, until audiences get it. Mm-hmm. I I don't mind as long as you put it in an entertaining package. Uh, but I felt like the stuff dealing with, you know, the alien technology or whatever. I still don't really understand it all. To be honest with you, whatever all that stuff was in the third act, that is. Everything that lost me with this movie. It just completely lost me. And I just think if they had just found a way to ground this a bit more. Just a bit.
4: To, to ground Moonfall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <for> sure, okay. <laughs> I mean that I think that's where
4: I'm coming from, Matt, is like you want something grounding in this movie, but I. I never had any expectation that that was what we were in for with this film. That is not what Roland Emmerich does, you know? No, I know. And so for me, like, yes, we get to that point, and it is very silly and very over the top, and it throws a lot at you at once, but it was a hump that I was able to quickly get over. And like I said, this might be just me because I'm built differently, and I'm engineered to kind of, you know, go with these movies more so than other people, but... I just sort of felt like this was their explanation for why this thing exists. And, you know, yes, it it seems extremely silly, but the whole movie is very silly to me. And I was just willing to kind of take it on. It's like, okay, just throw it in the cart and we're just going to keep keep going. You know, it's just going to lead to another really exciting chase throughout this moon base that I'm having a lot of fun with. And I was able to accept that internal logic Maybe more than other people, I admit, but it didn't bother me personally as much.
0: Now, wait a minute. When you, you, I heard you mention this earlier um, when you were referring to like the chase scene. Are you talking about the one in the moon or are you talking about the one on Earth when they're in the uh, the car?
4: I mean, I prefer vastly the one on the moon. Um, I think okay. that the, the one on Earth with the cars, I think it is the best. Well, It's the best sequence with the sun, (laughs) I I would say. Uh, There's a moment when a car, like, kind of has to jump onto sections of the earth
1: that are floating up.
4: I thought that was actually very well done. But for the most
1: part, it was very standard. I loved that when they went full fast and furious with the fucking yeah. Lexus, the obvious product. <laughs> like, oh, yes. I was like, oh my god.
3: Okay, Come wait, on. while we're talking about product placement, can we talk about um the mentions of SpaceX and Elon Musk in this? Yeah. Because that's <laughs> <really> <laughs> mal-
2: to
3: me. I was like, whenever you have a character being like, Wow, gotta love Elon Musk, I was like, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, I'm yeah, gone. I, I mean, that
2: wasn't um, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say though, like. I am very much with you, Josh, like to the point where there was a good portion of the first act of this movie where like, where I was genuinely like this whole movie is a metaphor for the pandemic. And then I was so happy when they completely abandoned that after
3: like <laughs> half an hour,
1: <laughs> because I was like, that is entirely too much for this movie to be working with, and I was so glad when they abandoned it. But there was genuinely a good period in the first act where I was like, "I if they carry through with this and make it work, I will be very impressed. But then they decided to abandon it, and it was absolutely the right decision for what this movie is.
4: okay i mean i get it man i i do i i understand how (laughs) everything that happens in the last act could feel overwhelming and it just
0: destroyed everything for me i mean i get it It really I'm
4: i'm not saying that you are wrong or that i'm unsympathetic to that it's just for me I was able to go with it. To be honest with you, the thing about the finale that actually bothered me more was not that exposition dump. It was actually more so that despite how entertaining I felt it was and how engaging I thought those set pieces were – The ending to this movie is just basically Independence Day. Like,
0: Yeah. Nearly beat for
4: beat, it is just the finale to Independence Day. And while it is still fun, knowing that it was basically borrowing so many of the plot developments that happened at the end of that movie, that was actually the underwhelming part to me. I was still having fun with it, but given how just they were ripping off the ending to a much better movie – I, I felt that was the underwhelming bit for me.
0: You're not wrong. I got those vibes too. And then there's the final, final, final moment before the credits rolled. And then I completely forgot about all of that until you just brought it up, honestly, because I was back to, oh, we're back to this fuckery again. <laughs> like, I ah. I mean, it could have been worse, I will say, for that very, very end. Yes. No, yeah. Like I said, the movie could have like personally offended me, and it didn't. So I agree it could have been it could have been worse. Uh, But overall, this isn't a movie that we need to spend a tremendous amount of time talking about necessarily. Um, I I had fun with it in parts and I was not angry watching it, but just like, wow, like I can't believe like, ah, like narratively frustrated You know, just very, very frustrated with the narrative of this movie and where it was going. And yes, um, a tad bit underwhelmed by some of the set pieces, which is something that I was a little shocked by. I don't know why I was shocked by that, because I do think that for some people, um, those set pieces did deliver. But for me, they were missing. I don't know what exactly. I don't know if it was not scale, because the scale is definitely there. I think really it just came down to the characters. I don't think I cared about whether the characters survived or not in any situation. I think that's why I didn't care about the action in this. So, Nicole, final thoughts and what grade would you give Moonfall?
3: I do want to give a shout out to Halle Berry, who is trying her damn hardest uh, to give like a decent performance to make you care about the character in this. Uh, I also, like, I think one of the most interesting things about this movie is how earnestly all the actors are taking it, which is a choice. I mean, it's it's a choice. The
4: uh, film. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, one of my biggest issues th- with the screenplay, other than literally every line in it, is <laughs> the fact that... The character of the son makes literally no sense because the first time we see him as a teenager, he's literally getting arrested. Uh, and then the entire rest of the movie, there's nothing to indicate that he's anything but like a a good kid, uh, which I think was just kind of like confusing. Honestly, it felt like they forgot what they had done with that character earlier in the film.
4: Yeah, I mean, his name is Sonny. I don't Sunny. think they yeah. put that much effort into writing <laughs> no. this character.
3: But I also think, like, with a different actor in the role, maybe it would have come off yeah. better, like somebody who seemed yeah. a little booty, at least. Yes. Um. Whereas he just seemed like there was not a thought in his head. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, like I said, I honestly I had a surprising amount of fun watching it. If you think about it at all it will make you like it made me literally angry to try and like think about this movie uh so i would suggest just not um and i hope to never see this film again in my lifetime uh (laughs) but i am god i feel like matt's gonna make fun of me for this i'm actually a four out of ten because there's nothing in it that like offended me other than how bad the lines are and i do think it could have been worse and i did have fun with it
0: i'm not making fun of you not make fun of you. Uh-huh.
3: You're, you're thinking it, though. Well, he's yeah. going
0: to make fun of me and Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good segue. Dan? Points deducted
1: from this movie for casting Patrick Wilson and then making it so that he has to play someone who can't sing. Mm. Uh, he does wear a lot of t-shirts, though. He does. And also, like, then points given back to the movie because Patrick Wilson believably plays someone who can't sing um, I would prefer it if he sang in his actual voice but you know I'm not going to be picky when we get lots of shots of him in soaking wet t-shirts um, long live Fuzz Aldrin <laughs> <laughs> genuinely like, when I was like of course of course John Bradley would have a cat named Fuzz Aldrin in the movie. (laughs) Of course he would. Um, And then that poor cat, he promises him extra back scratches and then never comes home. I just felt so bad for that cat. But yeah, I would totally name my cat Fuzz Aldrin too. (laughs) I don't think the special effects are particularly good in this sequence, but the gravity wave was... The filmmaking in that sequence was kind of great. It was one of the few moments when I was genuinely excited to see what they were going to do, and like, oh my god, how are they going to survive this? But then the character is just like sitting there and watching it when it's coming right for them. I was like, move! (laughs) Get out of here! (laughs) Whatever. It's a Roland Emmerich movie. I do not place any (laughs) hopes for plot logic or character logic or any kind of logic really. Um I just want to see things blow up good and every shot of the moon like crowning over the horizon just it it got me good. I I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I do not understand the appeal of Charlie Plummer. I'm sorry. I just don't he is so wooden and i think to the extent that the um the third act doesn't work it is pinning it on the shoulders of charlie plummer but other than the like the legitimately confusing and at some points just plain out bad editing i everything else was more or less like what I expect from a Roland Emmerich picture and I I wish that it had committed just a bit more to like if you're going to try to make the characters sympathetic and give them a backstory like just do it you've done it better this is just really lazy Um, like you don't care and if you don't care as the filmmaker then why should we care as audience members But again, not what I go to these kinds of movies for. Um, And I am, honestly, because I did have a good time watching it, I know that some of the dialogue in this is incredibly bad, but I laughed. I had fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, so I did not take itself too seriously. And I'm at a 5 out of 10.
0: Okay. um, Josh.
4: Uh, well, my final thought was actually going to be talking about the gravity wave sequence, which I think is, to me, the best like mm-hmm. individual set piece. Just the way that that is constructed and what they visually put together. Like, yeah, I mean, the effects with the water. OK, well, but at least with that sequence, the water is supposed to be doing something yeah. not realistic. So I think you could kind of get away with it not seeming incredibly polished and. I was feeling a lot of tension in that scene, so I thought that was actually very, very well done. It was my favorite scene in the movie. And, yeah, like, this movie is very ridiculous. It's not... It doesn't have great characters, but I never expect that with any disaster movie, much less the Roland Emmerich one. And, you know, I, I have to admit that, despite all of that, when it does get into that mode of delivering the spectacle, I had just an absolute blast with it. And... I've seen a lot of of disaster movies, and some of them do it better than others, but I always think about a movie like Geostorm, which I had so high hopes for and was just completely terrible. Like, that is really garbage to me. And this one, yes, it indulges in so many of the tropes we know about these types of movies, and a lot of those elements are not very engaging, but what it gets right in delivering on that spectacle and those set pieces, I have to admit, I found myself being very entertained by it. I agree that it is not top-tier Emmerich movies Uh, for me. It does feel a little, like, kind of lazy in some regards. And as I said, like, how it borrows everything from the ending to Independence Day, that are the biggest uh, detracting points for me. But I still had an incredibly fun time during it, even if it is far, far from perfect. So for that... I'm going to land at a 6 out of 10. Oh, my it's, God. It's, it's <laughs> yes. still not a movie that I would say is, like, incredible. It's not. And, like, it's, I'm not even giving it a full-throated recommendation because that's, like, mm. 7 or above. But did I have fun with it? Did I enjoy myself during it for the most part? Yeah, I did. I think if you are inclined like me to enjoy those types
0: of movies, you will find, I think, similar results in it as well. I think if you look at this from that perspective, yes, I can I can get more on board with the grading structure that's going on here. Um, (laughs) With that said, uh, a disaster film that I particularly liked recently was Greenland. Uh, That was one with Gerard Butler that actually wasn't terrible, uh, but... This, this, this oh, man, you know, it could have been worse. I have heard that said to me now a few times and I agree. We could have had Josh Gad instead of John Bradley. Oh, I, Lord. I, oh, I think yes. that would have.
1: Oh, That would have been awful.
0: Yeah, I think we would have uh, definitely gotten to a bad point there. Uh, a couple of final thoughts from me uh, with this. I bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> I love that song. So glad to see that it was. um Wow. I guess,
4: (laughs) included here. Really going at the bottom of the (laughs) bill,
0: man. (laughs) Um... What else um I-, I thought the scene where patrick wilson was looking for uh the papers in the dumpster and then the janitor just oh. <laughs> conveniently finds them outside of the dumpster on the floor <laughs> it was hilarious to me like oh is this what you were looking for oh, yeah. like <laughs> how long would he have been digging through that dumpster <laughs> if that guy hadn't come around so good <laughs> oh uh, one of the robbers kept reminding me of like a nineteen eighties Nicolas Cage for some reason. I I don't know why, um, and that's probably just me trying to. My brain was wandering in places during this movie. I don't know. Uh, what else? <laughs> what was up with the guards that were protecting Michael Pena's compound and they shoot at Charlie? Oh, Ford? and literally the woman's name is Karen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, it was also weird that I, I almost expected there to be some connection with them going to Colorado, because yeah I was almost like, wait, is Michael Peña, like, does he know something? Is he, like, more involved with this? It's like, oh, no, it's just a coincidence that they they need to go to Colorado, and that's also where the base is. I, I was almost expecting them to maybe be a little bit more clever with that, but maybe that was a mistake, <laughs> considering <laughs> Roland Emmerich also wrote this movie.
0: I got to admit... Maybe in terms of like the cheesiest moment in this movie that I laughed uh, the hardest at, it was the uh, graffiti of fuck the moon written on the ship. Yep. I love that so much. Well, and I also
4: loved that not only is the graffiti there, but then they even mention when the ship's about to take off and they say, you'd think that somebody would have erased it. It's like, nope, it's still there. I (laughs) I actually did like they they addressed it later. It's like, no, we're going to leave it because it's cool.
0: (laughs) Uh, And hashtag free bagels. Yes. yes. (laughs)
1: And where I was very disappointed that we did not get bagels. Yeah. Like we as audience members were promised free bagels and no one was (laughs) eating a bagel.
0: It would have been great to see the characters just sitting around eating bagels, you know, at the end or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, this movie hurt my brain in the third act. Uh, Before that, I was kind of like, okay, this is part of a course. I know what to expect here. Yeah, there's some very, very, very cheesy lines of dialogue. I was laughing at them. I was having a good time. I was on board with this movie. And then the third act just undid everything for me. I mean, completely just wiped it all clean and I couldn't come back from that. So for me, I'm giving this a three out of 10. I thought it was pretty abysmal. And I really, really wish that I had more fun with the action set pieces to kind of help drive the score up a little bit. But this was a big no from me. Uh, and then for Oscar potential for this movie, I was talking to Daniel Howitt about this. And Daniel Howitt was like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it down for visual effects. And I was like, buddy, stop. <laughs> I was like, it is February. There are so many more movies that have to come out this year. Nobody's going to remember this for visual facts. <laughs> no one.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can say like maybe it'll make the short list. I mean, it is February. Anything is possible. Like you could just put that on, out in the ether. But I would be very surprised if this even made the short list um, for the next year's Oscars. Like I think that is the closest thing that it will get to in terms of an Oscar conversation. But I think even that is pretty far off.
3: Yeah, I genuinely hope that both I and everyone else will have forgotten about this film by then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, man, I want to go watch Melancholia now. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go watch The Day After Tomorrow, which honestly might be Roland Emmerich's best movie when I think about it. I have not seen that movie since it came out in what, 2004, was it? Yeah, 2004. Yeah, I have not seen that since I saw it in theaters that long ago. Jake Gyllenhaal was a little baby. (laughs) <laughs> yep, I remember Jake Gyllenhaal at, as a
4: fourteen-year-old watching that movie. Yes, I did. <laughs> all
0: right, all right. Well, this has been our review of Moonfall here on the Next Best Picture Podcast. Nicole Ackman, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet.
3: You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman sixteen.
0: Dan Baer. you can find me on Twitter at Dance
1: and Dan on Film.
0: And Josh Parm. You can find me
4: on Twitter at JR Parham.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon for one dollar minimum a month you will get some exclusive podcast content from us thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time